0: Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Um, so your phone is always on mute. <laughs>
1: yeah, just before I started, rec- we started recording. I said my phone is always on mute. You, you said yeah. to mute my phone. Yeah, my phone's getting uh, really crusty and old. You know, it's three years old. <laughs> Oh, the pain. It's, it's time to put it out to pasture. But, but
0: but it's not a policy of you and Kristen, like, oh, our phones have to be on mute so we can really be together or something like that. It
1: actually causes a lot of marital um, problems because um, I never know when she texts me. Because I've set it to silent, no vibrate, but I can't remove, you know, that little toggle? It's just like stuck. In okay, so the it's a,
0: it's position. a physical problem. It's not a, a policy.
1: Yeah, it's like an iPhone decay problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I which I was planning
0: to fix. But but week. if the button was working, it's not like you would always have it on mute. uh
1: kind of because then the like the notifications which were like you know, one of humankind's greatest inventions <laughs> if you were to <laughs> ask anyone in technology. Uh were you know are are really quite quite often not very useful. And like when people see my notification drawer we've talked about this before it's really absurd like there's like um thousands of notifications there are at least hundreds of messages from people <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah so if you would,
0: if it not if every app would make a sound your phone would just constantly be buzzing
1: yeah i'd be like jeremy 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 you got, you got a minute got a minute hey look I at this <laughs> so i just uh <coughs> it's better off this way <laughs> yeah.
0: No. But anyway. you you pre-ordered the new iPhone.
1: No, well, the plan was to pre-order the new iPhone. Uh I, I was legitimately excited as I've talked about on a previous podcast. I know it's a ridiculously expensive phone, but I felt like I could write it off on my taxes because it has this technology built in that I want to perform with. And I thought it'd be, you know, fun exercise in early adopter culture, which I often parody. Um so I uh I got online at uh it's, 8 a.m. Is it that on expensive
0: Friday. though? If you if you, uh,
1: it's laptop prices. It's it's the same price as a laptop. Yeah, but you use People it more. Saying, you
0: use it more than a laptop. Uh,
1: that's true. But you and, don't use it, it, it to make money usually. I just
0: calculated because I also I think we both have savings, so technically we can afford it. It's not that we mm, it's don't like 1% have one percent of savings. It's, it's not that you don't have the money. <laughs> it's that you think at this moment it's ridiculous to spend that on. The, well, there are two things. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, Either I invest in myself, my future self, through retirement, <laughs> or more and more what I've been doing is investing in others. So it's taking money away from money I might give to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so then I feel bad about that as well. But I just uh,
0: calculate... like People don't really think about spending $4 on a coffee regularly. That's mm-hmm. that's fine. And you can also make coffee at home for 50 cents or something. Yeah, um, And then a thousand bucks for a phone 365 days it's about three dollars a day for something you really do use every day Um, less than a cup of Starbucks coffee a day. Mm but it's funny I I have the iPhone 7 and then I was excited about the iPhone 10 having a bigger screen in the same size body kind of Mm -hmm. but it's only a taller screen so it's just as wide and I here's my thing what I really want I want the question mark on the keyboard during texting (laughs)
1: <laughs> Is that... Oh, do I so have that?
0: I don't think... I think on the plus, maybe you do. But the, uh, so so when you go... You have a plus right now, and you will go to the 10, your phone will be narrower.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm worried about that. I, I've, which which makes
0: to it easier to, to hold.
1: Mm-hmm. But I can't read books that. right?
0: Well, you read them sideways, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, it's a good segue into this week's talk- topic, because a lot of people are saying... this new iPhone is rent-priced you know they're saying that it's the same price as rent in most cities
0: that's not true
1: yeah because
0: who who rents for a thousand bucks a year
1: (laughs) well you're in New York I want to move to that city well first of all in Canada uh, because there's a $1,000 version and there's $1,100 version which is like you know 64 versus 256 gigabytes of space yeah um. So on the higher end, eleven $1, $1, hundred dollars. One, yeah. Plus sales tax or whatever. Plus sales tax. Yeah. That like adds but up to like fifteen hundred dollars. So one, so it's $1, one, $1 month maybe.
0: of rent, basically, or one yeah. year of rent. What were they referring to?
1: Yeah, one month of rent. Yeah. Well, that one doesn't year make rent, a maybe. whole
0: lot of sense because you use it for two years, so it's twenty-four months. Hmm. Yeah.
1: No. So, I mean, I well, completely, I completely
0: understand that you, if you don't, if your income is low, you have to cut on everything, and so yeah uh you can get a smaller iPhone or a used one and uh, well I
1: didn't finish that I am I am, I did I didn't pre-order this thing actually I should mention that I, so I' got up at like 8 a.m on Friday thinking like hey it's uh it's only been a couple hours since they went on sale <laughs> for pre-order and it was already like eight weeks of, mm-hmm. uh, of wait time but yeah. a bunch of people I was I was with I was at like a company retreat they got up during this company retreat at like 3 a.m. Several people, not (laughs) And they got up and they, uh, or maybe they didn't go to bed, I'm not sure which. They ordered them. uh, And one guy ordered six six of these new iPhones. And I was like, why did you order six? You stole them from people like me. And the reason they sold out so quickly is obviously people are scalping them. And he said, oh, because when I saw that there was going to be these long wait times, I was thinking, oh, I should get some for some friends. And uh, would you like one? <laughs> mm. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, maybe. And so he, he offered to resell it to me. Now, he's not sure if Apple's going to let him yeah. order all six. That was the last thing he mentioned to me. But um, theoretically, he said I could have one of his six um, phones if I paid him, obviously.
0: It, it's also an interesting problem. It, it's not this week's topic, but uh, Bitcoin is so pervasive and saving for retirement and all that stuff. But as an artist... I keep thinking the best return on your investment is to buy materials and experiment with materials because you'll, you'll, f- you by playing around with materials, whatever those materials are, whether it's a, a phone or whether it's paint or whether it's a Kinect, mm-hmm. if you just have those things laying around, you'll probably find an idea, and that idea will generate way more revenue than even the five times return you could get on Bitcoin or, or whatever. Like, Interesting. When I was playing with lenticulars, that really changed my whole. Operation because mm-hmm. I just was doing some tests with lenticulars and it cost a bunch of money. But if you look at that financially, that's a way better return than putting money in mutual funds and getting 10%. And,
1: it's like a research and development cost. Yeah. I mean, I all, and
0: and uh, I mean, you also said your pen said if you have a business, you're not supposed to make a profit for a while. Right. Generally
1: speaking, yeah, you should be pouring a certain amount of your money back into your business. I would say um, I've made a few too many of those investments. <laughs> well, yeah, so, it, it, it's it's
0: funny. It, it's just funny for me from a psychological point of view where you probably never thought too much about buying a gaming computer because mm-hmm. you needed it for your performances. Yeah. But because the the iPhone is a luxury product that is in the face of other people, yeah there's this privileged guilt that you have that you don't want to show, but when it when you buy something that's more expensive but it looks like something from the matrix and it's like I'm, yeah. part, I'm part of the the resistance and I'm using uh ten graphics cards and i'm gluing them together and it, yeah so it's it's too bougie i guess.
1: Yeah, so it's a great segue into this week's topic, which is, we wanted to talk about cities. So not only is this thing rent price, but, um, you know, o- obviously it's going to make you stand out in an urban environment in the very early days. Now, you might want to garner that type of attention or like, I don't know, maybe you're in a neighborhood where that type of attention would bring um, sort of, you know, potentially a, a mugging or something. Like, I remember uh, my brother in New York was mugged uh, for his iPhone when he first moved there. Um, and that can happen in places. Was, I was it, talking was to it late it, at night? It was. Yeah, it was late at night in like in Queens uh, yeah. near his home. So that sucks. Um, but it was just a bunch of teenagers, which is always what it is. Uh, that,
0: that's the most dangerous demographic: teenagers.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like anyone without a job, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, it's something to prove.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I was talking to a, uh, a guy yesterday because I'm doing this project in Chicago my artist accelerator, Lean Artist Chicago. And I was, so I'm interviewing people that applied to to work with me in Chicago. And one of these, uh, one of the applicants is really cool, uh, works in restorative justice, which is like, you know, he teaches people in poor communities and helps turn them into leaders. And then they run their own businesses or they get into school or whatever. But he was saying like, it wasn't really working until he started like, he was because he was working for the police department he was like consulting the police department and when he was doing that he was making you know good money and he had a nice apartment good clothes but then he'd go into these neighborhoods and they would you know wouldn't be taken very seriously because he didn't look like them Mm -hmm. so he eventually had this guilt and he's just like he he quit his job at the police department he tattooed his face yeah, but he, as he put it, he's like now, and I go in. I'm like, look, I've got a cracked phone just like you. I have like you know old shoes just like you. So you can trust me. Uh, we can talk. We can level with each other. Um, and he was able to help them and do his job better because he didn't stand out um, as part of like. It's like um, when
0: the police has to dress for undercover.
1: Yeah, but except he's not undercover. Like he's like, and it's funny too because he's also trying to help people, which is what's in, you know interesting for me about working on this project too. Which is like I'm trying to take. Like my money, my wealth, my capital, whatever, my value, and give and give it to other artists and other people. In so doing, though, there's like a power relationship, and so to get people to trust you, that you're not just trying to steal more from them, he's saying, you know, it helps to look like that.
0: Really, with artists, do they feel Um, like you're going to steal from them?
1: Um, I think that there's like there are some artists that work with other artists.
0: Because I, I feel like in the art <coughs> dynamic, it's it's so common that there's a big economic inequality between a collector or an investor and, a, a,
1: and an it, artist. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I'm an artist. Like between artists, <coughs> there's often like. Um,
0: but there's also between artists
1: suspicion that, between wealthy artists and poor artists. I, like how did you I,
0: get that? I, I I have to say that's kind of. Short-sighted thinking, because the wealthier artists are probably people who have access to certain information that's valuable to you. So then, to be defensive and be like, "You're just a rich douchebag,"
1: and they like, "Well, no one said that to me." But I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> I get, um, I'm really self-conscious that I don't appear. Uh, but like I
0: think know. it's a more, it's your. It, I saw this interview with Sonic Youth, and and punk and rap came up at the same time, and they talked about how. In, in the punk indie, whatever, it was very frowned upon to show wealth. So it's mm-hmm. it's a sign, it, it's a very privileged sign to hide your wealth. Mm-hmm. That, that That is the highest form of privilege, I think.
1: Yeah, but I, what I was thinking is like a lot of artists' assistants complain that the art, like, you know, you know, a friend who works for, you know, insert famous artists here, you know, has, did a bunch of their technical work, this happens a lot in new media... Yeah, you know like let's just say trevor paglin or something and then like then you know trevor paglin takes your idea and packages it as his own and makes a bunch of money and meanwhile you're still just an artist assistant making like minimum wage right
0: yeah so yeah. That, i don't know involves, i th- i think right? there's good and bad examples there's also examples of uh people becoming close friends with the uh, the artist they assist and the artist uh, gives them a show in the smaller room next to theirs and this mm-hmm. there's good and bad examples I,
1: yeah 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 I, like there are good and bad people anyway but on to this week's topic which is cities um this is actually still a good segue we're still in segue territory which is that you know um when i, well, I don't know we have cities on our spreadsheet of, of things but what one thing that that's true in cities right now. One tension is always around gentrification, right? And where artists are concerned, if we're going to, well, consider it, it, this around
0: artists. Yeah, I, I think gentrification is just a a symptom of a, a not a symptom, but a a result of people moving to big urban areas. So in the '70s, you saw that the whole idea of cities was kind of dirty, even both in Europe and in the U.S. Like, there were a lot of movies. It was the, the original movie Death Wish with Charles Bronson was all about urban decay. Like city was just like people with mohawks on crack and screaming mm-hmm. and fighting, and people were scared, and they would move to the suburbs. That was just a big movement yeah. then. And I think what happened, it, one of the things that happened is that people are less tied to a family, they're less a family unit with lots of kids, maybe just one or two, and there's a lot of single people, a lot more than before. So mm-hmm. it, it makes that everybody... The fact that the prices of rent and uh, real estate go up is because of people want to live in cities. That's maybe but what you, I'm saying. Very simple. I mean,
1: but uh, there's also... I mean, I, I live in Toronto, and there's a, a famous guy here, Richard Florida. I think he's actually American, but he, he's like fully embedded in Toronto culture. And in the early 2000s, he wrote a book called The Rise of the Creative Class, and he mm. said that, like, for cities to prosper, they're going to have to attract creative clusters of, like, bohemians. He even had a bohemian index. Like, the more attractive yeah. you could make your city to artists and, and creative people, and he kind of lumped them all together, but often used artists as the, kind of the, the yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, it, it,
0: it seems that many different cities did that in def- different ways, but it's the same result. Yeah,
1: so that, but if you could do that, then your city would really prosper, and downtowns were rejuvenated, they, and there they, was a rush back into the thing.
0: My point is, maybe with, with cities, um, that when the internet started, I thought the world would become decentralized, so you could live far away and be connected to the internet and Skype with people and hang out there, you don't need to live in a dense city, which is expensive. But it turned out the opposite happened. It, people wanted to live more in cities than ever before, and economic activity is concentrated more than ever before, uh, which yeah. was surprising to me. I, I thought the internet would decentralize everything.
1: Well, also you're in New York City, which <clears throat> I'm not. I'm never sure if New York City is even can be compared to a normal city, but <laughs> just like because it's everything, especially happens.
0: Manhattan, because it's a limited uh, space. It's an island, so. Uh, the then more you people want
1: it. You have to say the same thing about London and Tokyo then as well. No,
0: I, I mean, London, uh, Tokyo is extremely sprawling. Mm-hmm. So it never ends. You just look and it just goes on and on. And I'm saying a place like Manhattan, you can just see the water. That's the end of Manhattan. Well, what's, it,
1: like, what's interesting then with Richard Florida and attracting creative people to the city, Manhattan really... Uh, no, no creative person can really afford to live inside of Manhattan. But I mean, one of the, one of the thing, he came <laughs> up with except another me. book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Except for one <laughs> from a, all these ad
0: dollars for me. my podcast,
1: <laughs> right? That's right. From our free yeah. advertising program. Um, but uh, he came up with a new book recently called Urban Crisis. I don't know if you heard about this. Where he's like, okay, I made a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I I forgot about you know the, how how upset. Um, the rise of the cities would make people in the country and I also forgot about all of the people that were in cities that would be displaced by <laughs> this new gentrifying class so like we all know that <laughs> it, artists it's like he, creative-
0: he, he ran the sims and it just <laughs> ran out of control okay let's start yeah. over
1: well, because the common complaint you'll hear is like, okay, uh, great, like interesting, inclusive neighborhood. Oh, uh-oh, uh, artists have moved in. Uh, oh, now there's a cupcake cake but shop. But I, I, th- I think
0: you're exaggerating the influence of artists. I think it's a, the bigger picture is that the world population is growing. Mm-hmm. GDP is growing. Yeah, There's a rising middle class in Asia, in India, in China, which is so many people, you can't wrap your brain around it. Mm-hmm. So basically... There's a lot of more people who want to be in the trophy cities. So there's all these complaints now, either gentrification or tourism, like Barcelona, Paris are suffocating with tourism, mm-hmm. and the locals can't afford it because there's too many tourists. But imagine China. Maybe there's a hundred million people who can afford to do a trip to Paris, right. because most people could never didn't have a passport, never left the country. And all and of that's a sudden, ten
1: percent of the population.
0: Yeah, and let's say that ten percent of the population is like, you know what's on my bucket list. I want to have a croissant in Paris and I want to look at the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And of course, they should have every right to go. But what happens when 100 million people each five years want to see the Eiffel Tower? What's going to happen to real estate prices? <laughs> so it's it's not just... It, it, it's simple to say like, oh, artists move in, things get expensive. It's also every rich kid around the world, which there's a lot of them, and it, mm-hmm. It's even if it's 0.1% of the population, that's 0.1% of 7 billion people. If all those people say, I want to study in Paris, I want to study fashion in Paris, and I want to mm-hmm. party there, and uh, my family will pay for everything. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it, what I'm saying is these cities are trophies.
1: Those particular cities. These are sort of hub cities.
0: Yeah, and, well, the, and, but- and the definition of a trophy city is expanding. Maybe it used to be only New York, Tokyo, uh, Paris and and now it's like well toronto as well and portland and uh, yeah
1: yeah sydney australia so if though but if that is true then why would anyone want to visit queens new york or
0: well, <laughs> or bushwick they're different like, tiers it is different tiers no, but people can afford
1: but those areas of those cities are also uh, gentrifying
0: yeah 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 but I, know, I, and i'm i'm not i'm not diminishing i'm, I'm not saying the artists I don't, don't have any influence but yeah. uh, I I think first you have, we, to, you have to look at what is causing that the it's it's like water flowing towards those cities right.
1: yeah but Soho was like once sort of a slummy area and so is the Lower East Side you know the area you live well, in well that was
0: that was that was a moment when people decided cities are dirty let's move to the country
1: yeah yeah and especially and New York you know especially uh, had that that. That uh, mentality, or at least what I can tell from watching episodes of Mad Men, when they all drive into the countryside, but um, but yeah, like the downtown was sort of where the crack houses were and and whatever. And and New York in the 1980s was full of crime, and so New York,
0: New York had this specific thing where, for example, Detroit has a lot of problems with uh, the neighborhoods sort of uh, disintegrating. Like the demand for the neighborhood is so low that nobody keeps yeah. up the buildings.
1: Yeah, Detroit isn't is, yeah. Is poor because the, all of the, the auto manufacturing. Less.
0: I feel yeah. like the big, the unique thing in the New York in the 60s, 70s, 80s was that you had a poor area of New York, but you still had a lot of wealthy collectors uptown. So they were just a cab ride right away. I see. But in, in Detroit, if you have a community of artists, there's not that same kind of involvement of maybe actors and celebrities coming to visit your opening creating hype and the, mm. that proximity that just that it's just really 10 minute drive away that was very That's unique. interesting. Cuz there's almost poverty like poverty and, and it, wealth right next to each other.
1: And for that wealthy actor it's like ooh the appeal of the dangerous lower East yeah. side. <laughs> yeah yeah. Let's yeah. go slum it with the artists. Well maybe you know, they had to the buy drugs so
0: they had to go there anyways.
1: Well I think it's interesting cuz as when I was younger especially even among you know, artists, we would like, we had aestheticized or what was cool was what was working class, right? So whatever, what's the, what's the beer that Technogyn. no one wants to drink, you know, like, no, like PBR, what, what beers do people not want to drink? Those are the cool beers, right? Like, what are the bad beers that no one that only, you know, working class people can afford? Let's have that. Or uh, what? You know, what's the clothing that you work if you, you would wear if you're working, you know, manual labor? Oh, denim! I'll wear a denim jacket and denim jeans. Now I'm cool, right? Like so. There's the aesthetic of of the working class or labor yeah, class. Yeah, and it's is, also a practical concern. Cool. Yeah. But that's what I was sort of alluding to earlier. And then as soon as that becomes cool, like that that. that Aestheticization is like a gentrification process. That's all I'm saying. It's like, and then it's yeah. like, you now let's open a, sh- but a shop, but let's not put up a sign, or let's leave the old rusty sign. Ooh, that's cool, right? I, like,
0: see, I a- see it here in New York. Just because in in Europe, at least in the Netherlands, these things get uh, taken care of. So the government will actually. ...go in a poor area and say like... Destin- ...these five buildings will become artist studios... ...but we'll have a committee that says who can go in... ...and the rent is subsidized. It's all mm-hmm. state controlled or state supported. And here it's more like... ...I have friends here who are maybe painters or sculptors... ...so they need more space. Mm-hmm. I I just work from my desk. I don't need a lot of space. That's, okay, why, there- that's why I can afford to be in Manhattan. But then the, the people who need a bigger studio... ...maybe they used to be in the Lower East Side. Now they're further in the Bronx... And then right. it, it's a thing where the building um, the building is really run down. Someone buys the building, and it's too expensive to fix up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But to make, make sure that it doesn't run down further, like, oh, we'll just put artist studios. It's not that artists mm-hmm. are such tastemakers, but it's also that they're fine with the walls not being white, and they don't need a, a shower and all these things, so they don't have to do any construction. Mm-hmm. And they need the space. But then because the artists are there, then the coffee shops come in. And then right. uh, at some point, graphic designers become more comfortable with it. Yeah, I do it. think it goes artist-graphic go- designer. Yeah, they're then very uh, closely paired. Cause then like, it, because also graphic designers need less space. So it gets a little more expensive per square foot. But the graphic designers can move in. Then the architects, then the advertising people, then startup people, and finally apartments. And it's like every step, it gets a little cleaner. It gets a little more fixed up. And the investment is higher.
1: Yeah, but in some cases the place is clean and fixed up already. It's just made up of a different group of people. I mean, I think there's this it there anyway, it's it's very complicated. Actually, Richard Florida does make this like argument that he's like pissed off that everything is gentrification now and he's like, if the park gets cleaner, it's gentrification, right? Like if uh, Yeah, sometimes if, it's positive uh, change. You know, it, yeah. the, if the streets get paved, that's gentrification. It's <laughs> like what what is the opposite of that then? It would just be like total ruin. Uh, well, in, so in Rio, kind of see you that. see
0: that a little bit now, like degentrification, where it, it I think uh, Japan now is building up to the Olympics. So then they have a good economic stimulus and Brazil had the same thing. But then the Olympics were over and then you can see, oh, all of a sudden there's more homeless people and some shops are empty and, and mm. things are going down. And, and I
1: thought, you know, one thing that I've seen happen here and in the United States is like as the urbanization as urbanization has occurred, the once prosperous suburbs in certain areas have become, uh, you know, uh, like degentrified in a way, <clears throat> or they're 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 suffering through different crises. Maybe like, there's I know a lot am- of
0: empty buildings. Yeah, empty like houses. I know in
1: America there are a lot of big box stores that are like completely abandoned, and some people have done interesting art projects in those. You know, like those big malls, uh, you know, because it's, the, the real estate was so cheap, they would just like move on. They're like, ah, oh, that mall's dead. Let's go build another mall over it's, here. It's whatever. funny
0: how um, there's the perception of the world, which is this when you're reading and you're mm-hmm. reading and you're uh, and then there's the perception of the world of at least my life. And I think it's yours, too. You go from the airport and then you go to a nice neighborhood and you hang out with people and you try new things. And there's a really nice restaurant and people are friendly. And I'm talking about seeing cities more like, oh, I know this great place in Paris. They have such good orange juice. And, oh, I had such fun there. And I, So there's the one world where you're just like seeing the world through the eyes of media and everything's depressing. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other world where it's like, oh, man, I love Tokyo. It's so fun. And everyone who goes to Tokyo really loves it. And you don't talk about gentrification at that point. You're just enjoying the city.
1: Yeah, but very few people be, like, get to be like the flaneur. I, that I, 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 know,
0: I know that, but it, it's yeah. also... Sometimes you have to be honest about what your life is. So
1: yeah, so and
0: wh- I'm, I'm I'm saying maybe the way you see the cities. I'm mm-hmm. talking about you in particular.
1: Oh, me, Jeremy. Mm.
0: Yeah, like walking <laughs> around through startup world or art world. Uh, yeah, you get to enjoy things too. You get to try really nice food in Germany and uh, in Norway and.
1: Yeah, well, the point I, I wanted to make is that like the people who live in cities, everyone who lives in a city has some choice. This is where I'm going to go this podcast says should have some choice in what happens to that city. Um, no one should be displaced against their will, or in a way they have to. It's a cities are built by are should be inclusive and and and, and should include everyone's voice. Like oftentimes, uh, let's let's talk about like New York for a second because in the 1960s, New York would, was under uh, 50s and 60s, there was there was this guy uh, Robert Moses. I'm sure you you've heard of him, who had this like grand plan for New York, and he wanted to put a highway straight up the center of Manhattan, like right up Fifth Avenue. Like it would be a huge like eight lane expressway, right, to to help get those. They did those, that in uh, Brussels. They, yeah, did they?
0: There was a time in the yeah fifty six. Everybody was like, oh, let's get rid of all these nasty old buildings. Well,
1: yeah, we c- and then and then the downtown, re- you know, downtown used to be like Lower East Side. So where World, World Trade Center was was also like LES, right? It was like it was like mixed kind of uh, density, and there were lots of you know, it was it well, was a it's real. A, neighborhood. It's like
0: that movie Taxi Driver, the Scorsese movie, where everything was mm-hmm. dirty and uh, drug addicts and prostitutes right. and yeah.
1: So then there was this Canadian urban geographer um, who came along, Jane Jacobs, uh, and she came in and started organizing protests against Moser and, like, against World Trade Center. That was heavily, um, there was, like, a lot of protests against building up downtown Manhattan. Um, and But also, like, you know, in favor of, you know, uh, like, urban uh, design on a human scale. You know, she had these, like, quotes, like, you know if <clears throat> that if you get you know density that's greater than the scale of a pedestrian, then you essentially alienate the pedestrian from the places they're choosing to live, and it becomes not a human city anymore. It becomes this like kind of in I don't know this other kind of space that's not hospitable to humans. And anyway, so she actually l- fought against a lot of this stuff, and and, and su- was successful. Like the highway wasn't built. Uh, obviously, like downtown did did proceed as um, as we know, but. Um, saved whole swaths of what we, what we now consider in Manhattan to be like um, like the most beautiful, you know, sections of Manhattan and some of the most beautiful buildings, right? But at the time, <clears throat> the idea was like, all this old stuff, let's just get rid of it. Let's put up the new thing. And I, I'm, this is on my mind right now because like here in Toronto, we're going through really rapid growth. and there's a different Moser, like Robert Moser on the on the horizon, and it's like, I'm sure in the news you've heard about like Amazon choosing a city to build a new headquarters in, but yeah. here in Toronto we actually just um, there was a there was a kind of it was a government actually was looking for proposals for redeveloping a part of the city. But regardless, Google won this proposal to redevelop a huge section of our city, um, and so Google has like a whole neighborhood. <laughs> that they're going to that the city and them are going to build <laughs> together town. Yeah. yeah Sidewalk Labs which is like their like experimental you know city wing uh, of their business of Alphabet God, it's got such a complicated company now but uh, they're going to run experiments and it's going to be this like innovation hub and yada yada but the more interesting thing is that like what is you know? This is a kind of the first time I can remember where like a com- where companies and specifically startups are not only just moving in like to a building. Well, that's
0: kind. Of, it reminds me of Detroit, how that was built by the car industry, and it's yeah, such, it's such a wide. Uh, the, the 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 city is so huge. for Yeah, the density actually, that's of people. a great. That's and a great point. It, it was made for. I think there's many moments in history that cities were they're mining towns, uh, the the towns that were made for textile industry. So I, I think there's many different kinds of industries that dictated a certain type of city.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's yeah, like it's Eindhoven
0: in, in the Netherlands is fully Philips, so it's Philips town. Yeah,
1: so I guess maybe it just brings up or highlights this issue, which is probably there. It just makes visible something that otherwise you thought was invisible. Really, you know, if you ask people, Man, like... And I thought Who?
0: we were going to talk about cool cafes this episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I thought, you know, like... Well, first of all, with Amazon, like, every every city is kind of forfeiting something to allow Amazon to come, right? Uh, yeah. For those that don't know, Amazon like said, hey, we're going to hold a competition, <laughs> basically. We're going to hold
0: a competition. Who can we fuck the hardest? Yeah, just yeah, spread like, your cheeks. Come on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like who wants to give us the most number of subsidies and attract... The, all these jobs and blah, uh, you, blah, know, that. you know you
0: know there's regulations we don't like those and taxes oh we don't like those either <laughs> don't
1: like taxes yeah they put up all these requirements Man, like no it's, taxes it's, tons it's, of space
0: yeah it's so crazy because I, I heard this podcast where the all the big tech companies have to appeal appear as blue as possible as as liberal and progressive as possible but then they do whatever they and, and they're like yeah we're for gay marriage and we're also for not paying taxes for 100 years
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, the thing is, if you were to take Amazon in Seattle, some people refer to it as, like, this prosperity bomb that was dropped on Seattle. Like, what happens is, the price of everything doubled, right? Yeah, because
0: there's a lot of high-income workers.
1: Yeah, so if you think artists are bad...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's my point. Like, artists are just a small... uh, (laughs) People give give all this credit to artists uh, gentrifying neighborhoods, but it's just economics of a a world economy growing and then concentrating in urban areas
1: yeah and what's really funny is like amazon uh when they move a headquarters in i don't know if you know this they try and work with like local businesses to make the ground floor have like local coffee shops and local craft stores but really what they're doing is they're using the creative class or the artist as sort of the like um the acceptable gentrifying force, right? Like this, like, um, it's almost like a mask. Like, no, 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 we're not uh, not the Walmart of the internet.
0: It's also for for the employees that they want to feel like, oh, I'm not moving to an expensive mall. No, this is a cool upcoming neighborhood with individuals doing interesting things.
1: I'm not exploiting this space, right? So, But,
0: I I mean, it's it's such a complicated issue because at the same time, if they would move to a, a state in the U.S. that is, like, one big heroin epidemic and people are poor and they come in and they uh there is an economic stimulus it's not i I, Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i i think it's more complicated than just saying like oh amazon is evil they should never move here
1: yeah i think the part that's not complicated for me though is if we go back to that google example is if these companies start running the cities too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is like in my example, they're like literally going to run, you know, like be a partner in this yeah, neighborhood. And probably so, the,
0: the 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 big car companies ran Detroit. Uh, well, what's not, way.
1: but what's not complicated again for me in that sense is like I didn't elect Google to run my neighborhood. Yeah, like, like uh, democracy. <laughs> like I, I think Jeff. Uh, no, it wasn't Jeff Bezos. It was uh, oh Eric Schmidt when Google won the bid to build here in Toronto was like, um, now it's our turn. <laughs> That was his quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, oh yeah, it's been like democracy's turn. And now it's Google's yeah. turn to run the world. Anyway, we'll uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch closely for everyone. I'll, I'll definitely keep you updated on the podcast. Can we
0: Can we talk a little bit about uh,
1: cafes? You want to go back to cafes? No,
0: I, I want to talk about individual <laughs> experience versus policy. So okay, because my problem there's many problems with talking about politics, but one of the problems is that it's just so far from what I experience daily. So um, yeah, but policy I'm does affect. Like yeah. the
1: top-down stuff does affect yeah, you yeah, yeah. day but to
0: day. It, I want to talk a little bit about, it. we talked about growing up in a smaller country and then feeling like the action is in other places. Oh, yeah. And so I moved, when I graduated, I moved to LA for a year. I thought that would be amazing because it's nice weather and people speak English and it's America. Boy, and were and you like wrong. The, boy, Bad was idea. I wrong. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't like the vibe, so I left then i tried berlin i thought okay it's great a lot of art and a lot of uh, uh, technology related art and the fresh people and uh, after a while no that didn't and maybe my question to you is also coming from toronto and then going yeah. to different cities did you try different cities and were you tempted to move
1: yeah yeah and it's funny as i was talking to um an artist yesterday about this because they had just recently graduated they applied to my lean artist thing as well but they hadn't they referred to themselves as homeless, but really, what it was is a they didn't yet have a, a job, which is when you first come out, you're like I have no income, no job, and b they needed so they needed to decide on a city uh, first before a job. Actually, in a way, like or they were like they were confused about that, and and uh, they're like I'm not sure I'm going to live here it, with my parents. A, there's a, go there.
0: Yeah, there's a funny freedom when you're when you're poor, where um, anywhere you go. Especially as a young artist, you could be like, "Oh, I'll assist there for a while. Somebody's leaving, so I can stay in their apartment for a month." And so, you're very poor, but you're very rich at the same time. You can sit on that couch. You can go. So you live this life where yeah. you're traveling like someone who has a, a, a that most people can't afford.
1: Yeah, they referred to it that way as well. Like I could go. Yeah, I could stay with this friend for a few months. I could do this. I do that. So I did the same thing. Yeah. And where I wanted to move when I finished at Syracuse in. What I'm saying is, then your
0: income goes up, and all of a sudden you can't afford those things. It's very funny. Well,
1: yeah, like so. I was living on ten thousand dollars a year when I graduated, and which sounds like I don't even know how. I was yeah, day. same it's for like, me. Makes, yeah. makes no yeah. sense.
0: <laughs> no, there's a, there's a really weird economics where uh, uh, you, you you stop spending on all these things you don't need. You're fine with a five year old iPhone, and you get hand me downs from people, yeah. and you you're not paying rent because you're doing residencies and all this stuff, and so you, you're kind of wealthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't feel poor anyway. So I thought about Philadelphia actually at the time because New York actually did seem unreasonably expensive even at that time, and a lot of people from New York were moving to Philadelphia. Now what happened is I did a few jobs for people in Philly, and I hung out there a little bit, um, and a lot of friends did move there. Uh, but I would every time I'd visit to try and like figure things out. Um, I found that I, there was someone that was murdered, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, like next door to me or something. This is
0: this is a, a some friends people I know from the Netherlands did this project called Favela Paintings, where they would mm-hmm. paint in slums in uh, Rio, and um, you know Rio has some of the most notorious uh, income and in disparity, uh, in, income inequality and slums yeah. and and gang wars and all that stuff. So they went to to the slums and painted all the buildings to make a giant abstract composition out of a a whole neighborhood Mm. and it would have a positive impact on the neighborhood and they became friends with everybody there and there's a even though things are so desperate and people die at a very young age from uh, guns and uh, illness all that stuff there's still a a, a big joy to life they said that they uh, uh made amazing friends and had great food and lots of dancing and the, there's a there's right. a joy to so then like oh we did rio let's let's do philadelphia so they did the philadelphia mural project and like we're going to try to do the same thing and help the people and they left after half a year this it's so depressing So poverty in a different <laughs> culture is a whole different thing
1: really yeah they said
0: they said it was so grimy and depressing and destitute and it it's almost yeah Poverty in the U.S. makes you feel really shitty. Well, it's interesting,
1: too, because I spent some time in the Europe, And rural technically,
0: they're, they're less poor than the Brazilian poor people.
1: Yeah, the poorest place I've probably spent time is in rural Ukraine. And, like, people, you know, don't... There's no clubs, so they use their cars to have dance parties. They just hang out that's near a car, and, like, they don't go to a bar. They go have a picnic, and, you know, they... they generally speaking... Culturally, they they were all. They said they were
0: very. But happy, that, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That, but that's maybe what I was alluding to with the yeah. young artists when you. Uh, it, there's no shame in being poor as a young artist. So maybe that's the feeling of wealth.
1: But uh, yeah, well, the, here's the thing. Actually, maybe that you're alluding to that I was just thinking is that what what was true in the Ukraine. What I've seen true in other places was that um, they were very generous uh, in terms of welcoming new people or other people into their homes, into their Festivities and so it was more about relationships than things for them, and it seemed like and, and they have with a lot others. of time to spend together. Yeah, like there are these like men that were working in this metal foundry where I was, you know, doing some art stuff, and they would like at the end of each day invite me to sit down with them and break bread, and you know, and and would share everything they had with me, and and, and therefore, you know, of course, I was willing to share whatever I had too, but uh, it was more through that sharing, and I, and I didn't have very much at that time. Um, and so the act of maybe what you felt in philadelphia was a hostility towards sharing which maybe is a difference in america versus um versus other countries i don't know yeah. but yeah. anyway i was struck when i tried to move there like by the violence um just generally speaking and so i didn't end up moving there and i moved yeah back that's to a bad
0: that's a bad thing that's that's like undeniable where you just feel physically unsafe is it? no
1: yeah and just friends would say like don't go down that street go down this one it was like it was really difficult for me to understand that in Toronto we do have like rough neighborhoods but it was never like you know you were never afraid for your life i grew up next to a public housing project where there was like a higher murder rate actually two different ones and i was in a more you know sort of a wealthier neighborhood growing up i have to admit <laughs> you you know you'd do you, you feel bad like, about it No, no. I mean, because there was exchange. Like, people would walk through the neighborhood and stuff. And and I did talk about in previous episodes that there was some, like, murder that affected me in my childhood as well. But generally speaking, you could still, I don't know, I just didn't feel as bad as uh, it did in Philly. And certainly now, I mean, Toronto, where I live, is the safest city in North America of its size. So it's like, I don't really fear walking around. Um, The thing I do fear, though, I I still do fear as, like, a local in a neighborhood and this is not to get to a policy level but as like large buildings get built up and I was just in New York and I was you know along the waterfront in Williamsburg and like it had completely transformed it was like all condo 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 the whole way along the waterfront it was really interesting because in a matter of like five years yeah. i don't i don't i didn't but the, it.
0: the, the uh, manhattan must have gone through the same process 200 years ago where they're like oh we right. have all these little cute farms and now people <laughs> want to build houses <laughs> right, what right, the right. fuck and then it's all houses and it's like what the fuck are these skyscrapers but that's what? actually what makes the city so
1: sure so. i don't know i mean for me it was just like in our in my own city i started to forget what buildings were where and and also like Yep. And then some cool neighborhoods just became really uncool. Um, well,
0: I, I live in the, one of the last few pockets of not-so-high buildings in, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, a neighborhood that was a lot of Irish immigrants and then Italians, and now it's a lot of Chinese immigrants. It says, and every time a, a, a group of immigrants prospers, they move to New Jersey or something nearby where they can afford a house because that's really what the, the goal is. Right, and then, yeah, and then yeah. the next Not group of, of destitutes moves in, and uh, <laughs> now, yeah.
1: no, but that's true, and we shouldn't. We should. I, I, I do think that there's a you know, it's mixed. People are always like, oh, the poor people that were living here, and then meanwhile, the the price of, of their real estate went up. If they weren't renting, if they managed to purchase, and for those who purchased or owned land in those spaces, it can be very good for them. They can you know afford to buy much. That's happened here in Toronto. So the price but, of real but maybe,
0: estate, maybe maybe back to the. Yeah. the personal choice of where to live so after philadelphia oh yeah did you consider other cities because berlin had a moment and yeah i did way, go to, like, I, did, I want to settle I, down there
1: i did go to berlin two years later and i wanted to stay actually and i would have stayed except a relationship unraveled um but uh berlin actually i thought was a very livable city at first i hated it because i didn't speak german but then i realized You could live in a a Berlin where no one speaks German.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. There's a lot of Canadians in Berlin.
1: Yeah, and then there's like, yeah, exactly. There's a ton of people I knew from Toronto even uh, there. And there was just a huge expat community. And now actually when I visit Berlin, I'm a little bit disgusted by that because um, it's very, you hear English being spoken as much as you hear German on the street. And it's a bit bizarre. Yeah, but
0: again, again that's, uh, what do you expect in a, in a globalized, internet-connected world? It would be weird if it wasn't that way.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, Berlin is a great uh I, I'm, I mean, I'm completely with city. you
0: that it sucks that people get priced out of their neighborhoods. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, if you, if you just look at the history of uh, agriculture and how in agriculture you used to need a lot of people. So a lot of mm-hmm. people lived along the fields to work on the fields to make the food. Right, right. And then you a mecha- uh, mechanic, and uh, automate it. Uh, yeah, all the Mechanical, cows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all the cows. The milk gets extracted right. automatically, and y- you have a few GPS connected machines that just uh, get all the wheat and all the potatoes. And all. That used to be a lot of people picking all those stuff and getting the milk, and and mm-hmm. then you need bakers and you need a hairdresser and you need a school for the children. Well, here's and all, all those things are not necessary when you only have five people working in. Something okay. That's the size of a quarter of a state.
1: Well, let's talk about this then, because like, the thing actually that I haven't we haven't spoken about that's most important to me in a city is transportation time, <laughs> <laughs> and it's how I make a lot of my decisions. Like it's one of the reasons why, actually, I think at this point, New York, I- unless you're living in Manhattan like you, is like almost an unsustainable city. And I know that the city has declared like a emergency crisis on this issue. Uh, because well,
0: the, but maybe that's the, the interesting topic. It's not just New York. It's Mexico City, Rio, Sao Paulo, uh, cities Monday. that I go to often. Yeah. Uh, uh, that people people's lives are b- so maybe we'll see a moment. And that was my my thing. I thought, oh, the internet will make it easy to work from home, and yeah. you you get together once a week. But that hasn't happened. But maybe it will happen. Maybe we're just not comfortable with it yet. But in ten years, I think we're it's very perfectly close to normal threshold. to have Skype meetings once yeah you know imagine if instead of going to work five times a week you go once a week and the rest well, you do from home maybe
1: i mean there has been a a, a tendency for companies to insist because of design thinking actually <laughs> literally designers have forced uh companies to stay local because there's better bandwidth uh for creative yeah energy. so for, for you, if for that you when you style, devel- if, that if
0: you one. were developing uh, a new feature with, mm-hmm. Would it be like, okay, everybody, think about this for a week. We'll meet again on Friday. Does that no, work? Or you, no. you have to be together? Because yeah. to me, that's the interesting human interaction that dictates the cities. Like, all the cities and the gentrification and the transportation problems yeah. are caused by this need for humans to be together.
1: Yeah. So my brother works in San Francisco, but he lives here in Toronto. And then there's a company that's in design that's very popular called Envision. They allow you to do like quick prototypes and now they're competing against Photoshop and a few areas and stuff like that. It's very popular among designers. Every designer listening to this knows what Envision is. But Envision's products are built in. there's not a single office. The whole team is remote. And so, and SoundCloud famously for a lot of its workforce was also remote. But like Envision just started with this idea like we're not going to have an office. And they grew to be one of the most successful companies in the design tool related field. Yeah,
0: because all the big... Companies like uh, Facebook and Google are all building the giant uh, office buildings and, mm-hmm. and like buying up cities, basically. So they still want to be together well, in a beehive.
1: My first job was as a research assistant uh, to an urban sociologist, uh, Janet Salath. Salaf. actually, she recently passed away. She was such an influence on I me. Mean, anyway, I just want to take a moment <laughs> to like respect her. Uh, but she was studying. Um, she was studying like this exact problem telepresence and what she found was that people even went because in telework was like using the phone to work was possible in the 1990s obviously right and she and the first we were studying like the first like Digital devices, because you know, cell phones weren't re- really at that point. But people could use like text messaging and stuff, and send lightweight documents. But anyway, what she found was the conclusion was people wanted to get together in physical space. So yeah. the more you pushed them apart, they would still find ways to like meet a local McDonald's or. I I,
0: I have to say that I'm the perfect example of someone who could be anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially before I started making uh, physical objects, and I was just making net art. You can really be anywhere. And you can be in Egypt. Because you work, uh, but you work alone, right? Yeah, like, there's no, there's yeah, no yeah, other yeah. person. No, I don't. I, I work with uh, two programmers, but we oh, meet yeah. on Skype, right. and it works. It's perfectly fine. And whenever I'm in the same city, we'll get together, but we won't work. We'll just have a lunch together.
1: And you're making a good point, which is that you and I have been doing this podcast with <clears throat> and we've only met yeah. once in, in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but my, you know, my
0: point is that I still choose to live in the most dense area because I like <laughs> yeah, it. That's right. That's right. Me so too. So I, I could have chosen to live uh, in Puerto Rico or uh, Costa Rica by the beach or something, but I choose, I, I just like the city.
1: Which brings me back to my point, which is like <clears throat> what you're talking about, though, why do you want to live in that area? Because you don't want to, t- you don't want to spend an hour to go get a coffee. Or you don't want to drive 30 minutes.
0: It's also because I work at home, it's very important for me to have lunch with people and meet people because otherwise I'm alone all day. Right. And so being right in the center of the center means that often people just call me because they're in the neighborhood and they're like, hey, do you want to hang? And if I was in Bed-Stuy or further in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. um, those accidents wouldn't happen. You would have to plan more. Right. Yeah, so um,
1: you've um, but you've organized your life around that convenience. I'm just saying that like parts of New York are reaching a convenience breaking point. Like my brother who lives in Queens. Yeah,
0: LA is really terrible too. He
1: used to my, but my brother like lives in uh, Ridgewood, which is a part of Queens on the edge of Bushwick, and I remember when he moved there that was considered like, oh, wow, Queens. <laughs> you know like <laughs> you're so far out on the L. You forget like, about yeah. it. Yeah. But now it's it's a very popular neighborhood and people live beyond that actually. And it's like uh, not like people, like, of course, people always live beyond it, but like this sort of people. Urban uh, workers? Well, like, he's he's an architect, so he's like a successful yeah, but, architect. But uh,
0: maybe what you're trying to say is that yeah. people with a job in Manhattan or like close to Manhattan. Yeah, that's live, what I mean, because there are people. An hour, two hours away from the Yeah, not the people
1: necessarily working in the warehouses or manufacturing that w- or whatever other businesses were in that area. Now it's like people that are commuting from that distance. Yeah, um, yeah yeah that's a good way I point.
0: like how you're trying to dance around saying like oh <laughs> poor people used to live there but now it's rich people <laughs> no what I'm saying is like he ha- he works in Manhattan he works across
1: the street yeah, from City yeah, Hall yeah. and it's like he, he can't afford al- to live there yeah and uh, that's really interesting That and he has so he has to get up earlier you know and so and so that's in, in in Manhattan or New York and here in Toronto we have a similar thing like I was talking to one of my designers and they have moved out to this area called innisfil but it's an hour she has to get up at like 5 a.m yeah to leave the house by 5 30 to get but to that,
0: work i'm just like but that's it, it's it's so weird if you would look at humans as a species from another planet and they're like oh we invented the computer and we invented sharing documents and we invented video calling and unlimited data but mm-hmm. we still have to hang out every day
1: <laughs> it's very strange that, we, that we'd be willing to to get up at 5 a.m. and drive because two hours. Because you, you
0: give up to a lot together. to be in a city, either what? A, a huge commute or a very small living space. Well, what's funny, yeah. too, is like, yeah, you get up at 5 a.m., drive two hours so
1: you can sit in front of a computer and text uh, across the room. <laughs> use, like, Slack messaging across the room to talk to someone else. Yeah. Um,
0: so this comedian yeah. was saying, basically what you're paying for is dating density. So if you, <laughs> if you open up Tinder in, in Iowa, there's, like... Nobody, and in New York, it's like ding 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 ding, all these options, and that's what you're paying for. That's really interesting. I think at a certain
1: age, that's very true. And then maybe what that's why when people do get married, they you know, and have children, they move out of the city because there's no longer so. I think if you if you
0: look at it at an anthropological level, it's like okay, there's a certain age of of courtship of finding each other, and Mm -hmm. then you need to be in a very dense area, and then there's the family unit, and then you go to a less dense. I was talking to different people who who live in New York and just had a baby and then you get to this point where you're like, should we move a bit away and have more space? And Mm -hmm. so your whole life you think you're really unique because you were a weird kid in high school and you're like, I'm moving to Brooklyn and I'm going to be an artist. And then it turns out every decision perfectly fits each biological moment in your life. Like When you were 15, you were trying to find your identity, so you had weird haircut, And then you moved to a place where everybody had a weird haircut and mm-hmm. like all these things are predictable
1: but you're also uh, pointing at something maybe that's true about artists as well which is that like early in your career being around a lot of other artists is very beneficial to your career yeah but as you mature as an artist it's less or as you're more successful and, uh, it's less and less necessary. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: but it, that's maybe something that i also um because i i tried different cities like i did a residency in tokyo i i lived in paris for a while had a relationship there and i tried different cities and i would always miss a lot of things that i liked in the netherlands and then and your plan
1: is always you've always alluded to this plan of moving back eventually to the to the netherlands to some countryside not really (laughs)
0: yeah i thought so but i really like living in a dense place and having lots of uh, restaurant options and gallery options and movie mm-hmm. options and so I, I th- the thing is nature is very beautiful there's, there's no denying mm-hmm. there's it, like having a house on top of a hill and a creek and a lake and all these things it's very beautiful mm-hmm. but I just like seeing people all the time
1: it's interesting too because like Kristen and I uh, just had our wood anniversary this five-year anniversary and so we were like Gonna buy. I thought I had this great gift idea. It's like, I'll buy her a piece of wood land. We'll buy it together. Like, so forest. Uh, and so I started, I was like, there's got to be some cheap places to buy forest in Canada. It's a pretty big country. There's <laughs> <laughs> like some undesirable forest then. And it was interesting because um, I was surprised that there's nothing extremely cheap, like nothing you can get for $100. But I did find stuff well under ten thousand dollars or under and and then i found an amazing piece of land like on prince edward island which is a beautiful island where anne of green gables is set and like sandy beaches i found a place 10 minutes from the ocean for for nine thousand dollars canadian which is like like seven thousand dollars american yeah yeah, it's like
0: the price of a meal here
1: yeah, and I could I could and they said if you you could pay it in installments of a hundred dollars a month or something like that for twenty four months or like it was it was basically like hmm, iPhone or ocean front property. <laughs> uh unfortunately you How know, so far of a
0: drive is it from you?
1: well it would be like an 18 hour drive but we could fly to the local airport there and you know we'd we'd end up with just some land and then we thought we would donate the land back to like the local indigenous people or something like that and have maybe go there and like camp out every once in a while but we just thought it would be interesting to own land somewhere outside the city yeah Yeah. but Um, your family
0: already has a cabin somewhere
1: yeah but i think it's different like there's this desire i think among most people who live in the city to eventually own something outside of the city as soon as you're in and then maybe it's when you're outside the city oh if but only I, I could have like an apartment yeah. in the because de- there are these binary lives like the rural life and the at least it's very p- common in canada I, I
0: get bored in the countryside it's very beautiful but after three days it's enough so I, i'm yeah. perfectly fine just renting a place for three days
1: I mean, growing up here in Canada, though, and generally the theme that most people live in, if they live in a city on the weekend, they go to the country. So it's, and I think in parts of, you know, some people in New York do the same thing. Is, but is here, there a comes,
0: congestion in the weekends going to the country?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's tons of congestion. But this this theory, this holds true even in places you would consider the country. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you like Edmonton, which is like a northern city, or yeah, Ottawa, which is our capital. Yeah, yeah. People will still drive, they'll just drive a lot less far. Like my it's, it's funny, family who lived then in you, Ottawa would you get to the the
0: country and you think it's quiet but then my dad lives in the country it's very few people but right next to him is a a classic car repair shop and then there's a bunch of cows and then there's a Mm. a bunch of uh, roosters making sound in the morning it's quite loud there
1: Yeah. yeah anyway i i don't i feel like our good point is getting lost but uh good point there being that um you you know you want what you can't have or whatever like uh, that uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i i think there's giant problems and it stemming from uh you need to be in a city for a job like i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people would prefer not to live in a city but they have to because of their job Mm -hmm. and so i i think there's a lot of we've talked about this before progress could be made for decentralizing things but so part of it is the economic necessity and then part of it is also People like being around other people. And cities are safer than they were in the 70s. But maybe so the good
1: point is they say they'd like being around other people, but not everyone does. Like, I, I was struck when I was in New York every week that when I would go to openings, people weren't there. <laughs> and, like, I was like, mm. where are you? It was like, oh, I was tired. I watched Netflix. I was like, but you're yeah. in New York. You're paying a premium here. What are you doing? Yeah. And so it was more the psychology of living in the city. So it was the comfort of not missing out more than it was actually... But
0: um, I, I, I think every exhibition that I want to see, I go see, I just don't go to the openings, but right, right, right and, right, and right. if I want to see people, then I'd rather meet for lunch or dinner than speak to someone for five minutes at. I don't think openings are the best way to talk to people.
1: And I think you alluded to something which is undervalued and, and we could do a whole episode about this, which is the the lunch or coffee date. And I've really taken advantage of this in my in my life and more and more like so every day I usually have a lunch date or coffee date. With someone in the city, at you know, that's you don't scheduled.
0: spend a lot of time by yourself, huh?
1: No, no. But uh, <laughs> just like you, like the, there's this the density the city allows allows me to set up meetings. And if I, you know, if I'm in Manhattan, of course I'm going to set up like ten meetings while I'm there with people, because I'm not going to get a chance to see them otherwise. And you know, anyway, so the city gives you this like ability to meet face to face with people. And there is something you get in the face to face that you don't get. Over Skype, You get this sort of like trust exchange or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I found
0: I found that a meeting with friends, uh, um, family works on Skype, but friends and colleagues doesn't work on Skype. Like it, mm-hmm. if if I haven't seen my friends in Amsterdam in a while, I'm like, hey, let's talk on Skype. It doesn't, it's kind of weird. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we
1: have to like, probably the speculation is the cities will continue to get more and more dense. I, I think there
0: will be a flip. I think there will be a point where the, uh, the, the smaller cities will become more interesting or, or some. Because. Uh, um, oh, right. Well, and, like in we'll the 70s, people and, like. Yeah. people. Like, if you look at a movie like Death Wish, that, that was. It's, it's being remade yeah. now with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, or the, the themes in a lot of. Or Dirty Harry, or like these kind of. And the city was a dangerous thing and grimy, and it was only getting worse, and there's mm-hmm. crime everywhere, so we have to have vigilantes. To, that, and I think it, so. It, it, you just can't extrapolate the present. I think That's something uh, will. Will it, it, something at that point? People were like oh, cities are so dirty. And then uh, some f- smart people actually bought buildings. Then they made a ton of money later. Cause like oh, it's, the city will come back.
1: Yeah, but I guess uh, you know I don't like to look at dystopian because we talked about Blade Runner <laughs> last. Time. Like there's a, they always paint the future cities as these dystopic, over dense nightmare cities. But I think you're right. One thing that's really interesting is that the, you know, mid century, last century, like in the 1950s and 60s, America, if we just looked at America, had a a large number of large cities, like, it still has a large number of large cities. But you know, I'm saying like, there was, if you looked at just New York State, there was New York, there was Rochester, there was uh, Syracuse there was Buffalo these were all cities that were verging on a million people maybe not Syracuse but Buffalo and Rochester were and and were as large as New York and then Detroit was a huge city as we alluded to earlier Detroit was the, is still the largest geography urban geography in the United States bigger than LA uh, in geography yeah it's and just so, a
0: lot of buildings are abandoned
1: yeah and of course we all know the story a lot of that moved south and there are a lot of southern cities that didn't exist. Um, that do. Yeah. Now so exist.
0: one thing's for sure that things are always in motion.
1: Well, yeah, and I always think like that that's what was really interesting about your your, your Chinese tourist comment, which uh, you know is that the flows are also really big. So when a, a flow, a billion people decide to flow in one direction, like a wave in a pool, it can.
0: Let's go to Paris. Yeah.
1: And my point from earlier was that the people that are jumping in the pool, the people that are like sort of doing a cannonball in the pool right now are big technology companies. And as we saw in like San Francisco, if you visit San Francisco, you're like, is this a city or some sort of bizarre like... (laughs) like it's well, a television it, 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 show it's, it's funny because even
0: facebook now has to build affordable housing because uh not everybody's an engineer at their company so most if, people can't afford and even it, it gets to this point in cities where you can have a really high income like let's say what i think is a high income let's say mm-hmm. your income is half a million a year That's quite a lot yeah. you'll still feel poor in san francisco and new york you're still on the back of the line if, if you want to buy an apartment and, uh, yeah it, it means nothing it's you're still what cool. i find
1: interesting though is that cities still have themes that they're still not like that they're not mingled like they're becoming specialized like nodes in an in, on the internet like websites or something like that and so san francisco is this that's why i said it's like a video game level or something or a truman show mm-hmm. where it's like directed all around you know tech startups and it's so it's, it's basically
0: else. coffee shops and offices
1: yeah, and then all the ads, like all the billboards, are like, "Is your SEO, uh, you know, PCI <laughs> compliant?" And you're like, "What are you uh, talking?" <laughs> anyway, uh, it's all like jargony. It's like, "Is your API fundamentally yeah, yeah. SEO
0: friendly or something?"
1: So, th- th- and it's then, like, like those
0: A- Air- airport uh, advertisements, yeah, that are geared yeah. toward uh, uh, SAP uh, servers oh, yeah, and security your SAP, and it's, it's your SAPs, <laughs> yeah, security.
1: Like, what? <laughs> Who is this for? Yeah, but. Uh, like why I say that is that like if a technology company like my point from earlier can come along and completely change the culture of a city and this is actually a point I forgot to make earlier that I wanted to make the whole lean artist thing that I'm doing is about this thing which is that Cities used to be built around artist culture or bohemian culture. You could you could you could argue that they weren't, but let's just the way we remember them. The way you remember the Lower East Side in the nineteen sixties, or here in Toronto, the way you remember York uh, Yorkville, which is or, or uh, sorry, Yorkville. Or
0: how or how LA is built around the movie industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. These are all these were all built around creative groups of people that you know came in and did creative things in those areas. They're bohemian 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 uh, kind of demographic. Um, And what's happened is the way we describe culture today and the the type of culture cities seem to try and attract is more and more this like startup culture. What I think is interesting about that is if you actually like ask yourself, what is startup culture? Right. Like if you think about it in cultural terms, you come up with some really scary answers. It's all about efficiency. It's about efficiency. And then the actual culture, that is to say, the way people express themselves within that efficiency is quite often in an inegalitarian way that is to say a sexist misogynist or racist way yeah the way and, it's been and also no
0: no culture basically culture is inefficient so it's all you don't well, buy the, art because that's wait, inefficient yeah you, you don't go to you don't have any free time that's part of startup culture so there's no concerts or right. <laughs> any leisure time is frowned upon yeah yeah. clothing is frowned upon it should be like standard uniform great t-shirt and a blue jeans and a hoodie don't overexpress. basically it's an absence of culture and it yeah it's just an efficiency algorithm it's kind of even wall street has more culture where it's like fine suits and cocaine (laughs) there's some culture but silicon valley just seems pure efficiency
1: and you make a good point you know like occupy wall street was really like taking back wall street in a way that culture of wall street is not the culture we want but like Startup well, at least culture, the thought, Wall
0: Street guys buy art and uh, wear suits. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah, startups also have uh, traditionally that culture is under-invested in the arts uh, on a gross margin. Like the, I always say in Detroit, the Detroit Opera has been funded by General Motors for almost a century. Um, but no Silicon Valley startup has taken... Stand to fund the arts outside no, of ones that have a business they, model built. Well, around. they
0: don't have time for it. They work uh, twenty four hours a day, and uh, it's well, just it, always on. Yeah.
1: Someone said that it's because, like, you know, they're a, they have an objective mindset, a data driven mindset, and therefore they can't understand the value of subjective, emotional yeah. uh, productivity. But you know, ultimately, all of this adds up to a culture that I don't. Think I think
0: they're into hiking. I think that's not, one thing that's valued by startup culture. It's like if you have free time, you go hiking.
1: And don't get me wrong, like I work in a, in a great startup where I'm, you know, but I'm part of building a culture there. And I really I think that's super important um, and that we engage with a city. But a lot of these startups are super private. So the best example of this is like Google, who wanted to build a campus. And in fact, they had a requirement for all of the architecture firms that they worked with, that they had to build a campus that was a glass dome. <laughs> 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 that their whole campus, their whole office culture, their whole a whole city. In fact, they wanted Transband. a whole city. Under a glass dome, and and the architects were all like, "Well, you know, a glass dome's not really a good idea for thermodynamics, <laughs> for sound, for all of these things. It's going to cause you just nightmares." Like, we no, we just must make it have, happen. We, we, <laughs> yeah, it was like a wall. It was like a Trump wall. They wanted a glass dome. They're like, "Give us a glass dome or nothing." It's monorails or we're out of here, and so oh they goodness. did it. And it, what the problem is, it's created this acoustic and thermodynamic nightmare, <laughs> and so Google started another startup inside of Google, whose job is to build enclosures for people inside of glass <laughs> <laughs> And it's apparently they're really bad at this because they have no experience in this discipline, wow. and they've been well, building they, these like felt like enclosures. That's what they have. A bit too much, yeah. <laughs> too much confidence, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
0: I, I, I I've um, I feel like there's so much to say on this topic. I was invited for a festival in Japan called the Kempoku Festival. Mm-hmm. And it's two hours by train north of Tokyo. And it's an abandoned area because um, Japan has this urbanization problem and a, a problem of uh, people not having kids. And the, what do you call it? When the population gets older and older, relatively? Mm,
1: right. Uh, I mean... I- what do you so, think?
0: so you yeah. go to the countryside, and the schools are empty, and there's a lot of people in nursing homes. And uh, a part of this program, it's not really gentrification, but they did an it's arts geriatrification.
1: Festival. Geriatri- yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's the word, but let's go with that.
0: Yeah. So they did an arts festival uh, in many locations in old high schools, in old uh, like really all these buildings that were tied to young people, either factories or high schools. And artists created exhibitions there, and this it wasn't a permanent exhibition, so it wasn't uh, to gentrify, but it was to create tourism, and it did work. They get they got a lot of visitors, and people would do tours of this area because the area also has really nice food and it has sp- specialized crafts, and uh, so it brought a lot of people in, and it was a more successful and more affordable strategy than doing traditional advertising. It actually gave mm. people a reason to go there, um, so. This was a way, kind of of using art as a tool, but at the same time, uh, it gave artists the opportunities because there was all these empty buildings, which they could do bigger projects that they can't do in cities. Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, and, and maybe what I'm getting to is that there will be a moment where all these abandoned high schools or buildings in uh, less dense areas will become very interesting. But yeah, it's that's, such a dedication to go visit all those things.
1: That's already happened, you know, in Detroit, where there's their, there's a project where they give artists houses, uh, as, and they create sculptural artworks out of them. In Chicago, I think I've mentioned Theaster Gates, who's like built cultural centers. I guess the good point that I'm trying to make is like that culture I- I- in a city is is an essential part of a city if you strip the culture away right if you build tons of huge buildings and highways if you which is like the culture of capital then you're left without culture if you just well, allow startups to take everything over you're left yeah, without culture yeah, yeah. and then the whole reason you said you want to live in the city is to be near people for lunch and to have co- you know coffee nearby and go to galleries and
0: yeah you but wanted the, the, culture in the city there's, there's a funny thing how cities develop and and sometimes uh cities have to take action communally and not just that uh individual companies decide the direction of the city so in amsterdam the tourism grew a lot and i think they had a boost because there was terrorist attacks in almost every place in europe but not in the netherlands so people trust it uh this way too much tourism Mm -hmm. and it's driving low the prices up for locals and the the people who benefit from it are restaurants and hotels So it's, it's good for a portion of the economy, but for most people, it's just annoying. There's, you're not going to make friends with these tourists. It's not going to add well, any conversation. So, But what I'm getting at is that the last 10 years, the price of real estate went up a lot. So I always considered Amsterdam as a backup plan of like, mm. oh, if things don't work out and it's more affordable. What happens is the city got way more expensive, and the reason it got more expensive is Not beneficial to me, so mm-hmm. it's not that it got expensive because they added museums and galleries and concert halls, it's right. because they added hotels and uh, pancake shops. So, I'm paying uh, if I move back, I'm paying a premium for things I'm not interested in. And so, that's maybe the same with San Francisco. If you're not in startup world, it's like, why would I live there?
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's no longer. Yeah, it's no longer about you. Um, It's for someone else and for something else, a different agenda. So, yeah, you're right. At certain points, and that was the point I was trying to make earlier, and this did happen in New York already once before, and I think it would definitely happen again, as we saw with Occupy Wall Street, and probably happen again after that. People have taken back control of the city and said no no we want a city for us the only thing that we've you know we've decided on this podcast i think is that that's very difficult because us is comprised of a lot of different voices with different opinions well
0: that's the i think that's the challenge now for the to unite the left but that's a bigger issue
1: well yeah and richard florida what i forgot to say is that like the reason he wrote this book where he's like i was wrong about a bunch of things called you know is because of a in Toronto, we had this guy Rob Ford, who was crack-smoking mayor, and B in the United <laughs> <So> States. <famous. laughs> the United it's States. always
0: the crazy politicians that get famous.
1: <laughs> in the United States, you know, there's Donald Trump, and in both cases, they were, uh, you know, elected officials who were elected by people outside the cities, uh, you know, by this sort of. Uh, suburban and rural populations that felt frustrated that they were being left out of the conversation. And yeah. if the conversations continue to happen in cities and leave people outside the cities out of it, that we're probably going to face this crisis again. So and we need to find a way to make cities inclusive, To I, I don't know how to do it.
0: Here's a question. If, if you, uh, for some reason, decided I want to be a full-time artist... Mm-hmm. like you feel like okay my my which i would recommend but i know you also enjoy uh working in a startup but yeah, a let's say for some, <laughs> but let, let's say that you you were like okay for three years i want to be a full-time artist which city would you pick to be for three years
1: hmm. i mean i'm very comfortable where i am now so i would i would it, but it, you're just saying like if it was, if I wasn't already, somewhere. no, no. no. It, it,
0: can, it can be Toronto as well, but just if, if you let's say that you spoke to FreshBooks and like, hey, I want a, a three year hiatus. I'll come back, yeah, but sure. I, I I need to develop my own work. And what would be the best place for you to be?
1: I mean, theoretically, the best place to be is um, is New York.
0: But it, is it though for your type of art? Because New York is such a gallery driven model, and I feel like your work is better in Europe with because uh, mm. this podcast I, I think it's very important for a young artist to have as much information as possible when you make these big yeah. choices
1: no well I was just going through my head about all the people that I would sp- have coffee dates with and um, yeah. most but, of them do, do
0: you feel like the, the, one argument could be like oh I need to be more focused so I need to be isolated so, And so be five years ago
1: side. I would have I said Berlin absolutely because everyone that I wanted to speak to that I wanted to spend time with and yeah. collaborate with was in uh, Berlin. That's no longer the case. Yeah. Then I well, would. Well, definitely. Five years
0: when we're talking like 2009. I guess was a yeah. moment in Berlin that people were quite young, so they didn't have a lot of responsibilities. So yeah. there was a lot of conversation.
1: And most of those people have scattered, or they're in Berlin, but they're like entrenched, and they're they're in bunkers anyway. Then they're, they're busy. Like, yeah. They're busy. Yeah. Then London five years after that would have been, but now definitely not because of Brexit. And then New York was like then my next target. And I I tried to, I remember you
0: thought of moving to New York, but it was, yeah. And then it
1: was just expense in relation, but the people, I still come back to New York, even though I haven't been, I've only been once in the last 12 months, but I normally would still be in New York more often than any other city because um, the people that I want to meet with are there. And those are where most, still most of my collaborations and conversations happen in New York. And so so
0: it, it's also that a lot of people with uh, ideas that you're interested in.
1: Here's my litmus test, and this is a, for every artist that's listening as well. It's the place you go where people don't think you're crazy.
0: Yeah, that's it, that's very true. Because in Amsterdam, uh, no matter what, it, I'll, I'll say stuff and people just start laughing. I'm not even making a joke. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, that's such a Raphael thing to say. And they think it's such an outrageous. And I, I just thought it was a purely logical, normal statement. Yeah and so but in New York everybody's so deep into you move here because you're really obsessed with something so people
1: here still think I'm crazy you know and actually Chicago where I'm working every month this year um they don't think I'm crazy. As many people don't think I'm so that, that I'm like, oh, actually, Chicago's not that bad, right? But how's it is just feel in
0: the, San Francisco when, when you're really deep in the startup? Yeah, people ecology. think I'm crazy.
1: You know, like so, uh, like because you, you're
0: not so profit-driven. Or what's yeah, yeah, They're
1: like, why would you? Like it's a, they're they think I'm a little less crazy. They're like, oh, creativity and technology. I can get behind that. That's not that bad. But mm-hmm. why would you do that instead of having a startup or something? Um, anyway. But New York is the is one place where people are like, of course you're doing something no one else is doing, (laughs) or like, you know. I think where all of those weird things are kind of tolerated, not only tolerated but celebrated.
0: Then there's also the the interesting idea of decentralized. So you taught in New York for a while, and Mm you commute, which the commute was basically common to what a lot of people commute here, who say they live even live in New York. Yeah, like a, flying a, from Toronto was not that much further than taking door, the train from Queen. Door to door was like three hours. That's it's once a long. week. But this yeah. was maybe my my model that I was getting at for the future, where you could telecommute most of the time and live in a, a mm-hmm. remote area and then fly in once a week. But mm-hmm. um, maybe my point is that you can get a lot out of a big city near you, even just by going once a month. And yeah. just being social for two days and then it's funny because i just cave.
1: i've been to frankfurt and, or i've been to germany like six times this year i've been to frankfurt like four or five times and i was with a friend last time i was there and she said to me i see you more than i see my friends from mm-hmm. here and i was like that you know that's very interesting you know the fact that that you've seen me more this year than you've seen your friends that are local does say something about how uh, the di- dynamics the of a city yeah
0: yeah well it is interesting that that Thing you talked about like oh I really have to live in New York or Tokyo and then you're there and you watch Netflix
1: <laughs> I haven't been to Tokyo yet though so I feel like a, that I I can't make a decision about where to Tokyo, live Tokyo to is
0: me it. is just one big theme park for not even for adults for anybody but it's just it, it's, it's basically a huge shopping mall but somehow it's awesome I, I hate mm-hmm. malls but uh, yeah and I couldn't
1: live in L.A. because the driving. just It drives me insane as a well, th- visitor there. Yeah, the,
0: the thing you were getting at of the, the, the commute, that seems to only get worse. And it, Like Elon Musk is trying to come up with ideas of building tunnels, yeah. but that's basically what subways are. I don't know how that's going to. Yeah, So, so I, it, think I wonder th- if there's a tipping point where people are like, uh, well, fuck this, I'll just visit the city <laughs> once a month.
1: Yeah, I think we're at the tipping point in this podcast though where like there's a there's a hundred topics related to cities that um we should probably cover another day. Um what do you think?
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm into <laughs> the topic. We can we can do do a, a a version 2 in a while.
1: Yeah, like I I mean, choosing I forgot to ask you. I mean, you chose New York. So is is there a choice that that you that you that you're considering outside
0: I, of I I felt like it, it, it was really clear to me with BYOB that I started BYOB in Berlin and it was really fun. But once I did the same thing in New York, then everybody around the world wanted to do a BYOB and the idea spread very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like the energy you put in here has a chance to... it, 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 it It's an amplifier.
1: It's a st- like a stamp of approval that happened in New York.
0: No, not a stamp. I don't know. It, yeah. or. It, 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 someone was saying it's a media center like if there's a storm in New York the whole world knows it mm-hmm. so I felt like you would benefit from that showing something here is makes it that doesn't mean you have to live here but uh, mm-hmm. I also like the food I think that's part of it
1: yeah I, anyway I'm excited to see who the next New York becomes um, like because I do think that there's, an, there's room for like in, especially in the art world another city people are talking about LA being that next city you know, London being. Yeah, but maybe
0: of, it's Liverpool, or maybe it's Manchester, or maybe it's Sheffield, or maybe it's Rotterdam, you know.
1: And that's something we didn't talk about, that that's very commonly speculated <laughs> among artists. So artists always. I don't know if this is true outside of my circles, but I'll just say in my circles, artists continuously speculate about what city to live in. Yeah. Uh, like, well, it's and- that
0: weird thing where you have this freedom of movement and you just yeah. have infinite choice. And then you, you, you try to wrap your brain, well, the, the food is better there, the rent is better there, the, yeah. the, the government is better there, the art yeah. world is better there. There was a moment in the 90s that a lot of net art couples lived in Barcelona. So yeah. they they were all like we're on the network. It doesn't matter where we are. We don't have to be in London. But it's or a beautiful New York. city. It's a beautiful city. It's by the beach and nice weather and nice food and it was affordable at the time. So you had Jody and Franco and Ava Mattis. and you had Uber Morgan and it was all these yeah. net art couples for some reason, as we talked and about last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they tried. So it's it's not a, uh, an epicenter. It's it's not a, a an. Imp- important capital with a lot of collectors
1: Mm -hmm. but what's the the city now everyone's saying athens right
0: (laughs) yeah i guess but uh, (laughs) i don't know i don't know if it's just instagram now if that's the city
1: i don't know everyone talks about athens because uh You know, basically, in a way, it's like taking advantage of the economic uh, difficulty Athens has been having. It's a very cheap place to live, but it's it's also socially progressive, which, uh, you know, artists require good food, good weather, Um, European. Like, so, you know, in, in terms of Europe, you can travel very quickly to other parts of Europe, which is key. That's why everyone always also talks about, and I still just have not seen this happen, but Brussels. Always comes up as this like yeah
0: it's very central
1: it's the most central that's why you know and it's one of the reasons why it's the capital of Europe right is it, that it's what is it two hours I don't by train. like the
0: feeling when I'm in Brussels I, I I think all the things that you can list in a in a listicle mm-hmm. are great it's like affordable you can take the train to London you can take the train to Paris uh, there's a good airport all that stuff. Just being there doesn't feel right to me.
1: Okay, maybe we should say that Brussels is like a dirtier city. Is that you
0: No, it's like no, it,
1: like Brussels is not like anyone's like favorite looking, good looking city, right? Like it's yeah. like a, it's a, it, like it should be a lot. I don't know, you know, because European there's, cities. There's you kind something of take for funny. Granted, like it's there's something right.
0: funny about when you live in the Netherlands and you go to Paris and you kind of skip Belgium. Mm -hmm. and the trains are a little bit broken and some dutch people love belgium but i just always kind of saw it as a thing you pass through to get to paris (laughs)
1: that's so terrible anyway i actually do like brussels but and it's still very affordable so people want and there is a lot of artists say like oh there's a lot of collectors there because all of the politicians are there um and lobbyists and things like that but I, i don't know like uh uh I would probably. You're right. Why not choose Paris instead of Brussels? That's kind of what most people end up. You know, Evan Roth. He is uh, living. He li- he moved from New York to Paris because he told me he was just exhausted with the transatlantic flights, and from Paris he could get to any European city in an hour and a half or two hours. And and it's actually not as this, expensive this as is people This
0: is the the cringy episode where we, our, our privileged lives are revealed. I'm just yeah. exhausted from all these transatlantic flights. It's true. It's true. <laughs> okay, we should stop things here. But all, all I'm saying is
1: people think Paris is really expensive, but actually Paris is not that expensive uh, by but, but,
0: but Parisians are kind of unfriendly. It's hard to make friends. Hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I always speaking from experience. Yeah.
1: The French are difficult, but I think if you speak French, they're less. Yeah, that difficult. helps. Yeah. But they really hate speaking. Well,
0: anything here, don't I, I don't want to generalize. Uh, uh, Parisians are mean or whatever. No, it's, it's a well accepted stereotype, I
1: think.
0: Yeah, but it, it, anything I've said is just my experience at that <laughs> moment in that city. So
1: yeah no i think people that's and even people in france hate parisians so it's just like yeah, everyone, it's okay everyone, everyone. <laughs> so yeah that's right. anyway uh we should probably wrap things up but um i've chosen toronto i'm gonna stay here uh for a, for a while
0: there's um, also a, th- a thing yeah like when you're older you don't really feel like moving to another city because you've tried them and you yeah. well i
1: live next to an airport and i travel every month and so like Yes. When I get to the point where I've, I've traveled the five times to a, to a city in a year, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm really sick of this place. I'm like, I really want to go home. That feeling of I really want to go home is an assurance that I've chosen the right place to live. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, on that note...
0: I, I like how I've been stretching out the episode. Every five minutes, you're like, let's wrap things up.
1: <laughs> well, I figure at this point, you know, I know a lot of people go to sleep to the podcast. They're probably... Yeah, yeah. We're just part of their dreams at this point. So if uh, mm-hmm. you're dreaming <laughs> right now, what do we have? A, so a, uh,
0: well, first we have a request for people to send in ads and uh, field recordings. Send in your ads episode.
1: and field recordings. Please. please.
0: And then we'll listen to a field recording uh, in Washington Square Park. Uh, I think there's a conservatory nearby. So uh, sometimes they wheel out a grand piano and uh, this person was playing piano in the park.
1: So, if you have an ad that's like something you want to promote that we can get out to the what, like almost three thousand people that listen to this podcast a week, um, send it in. Um, no charge, absolutely free for a limited time until we can charge people. And <laughs> <the> <laughs> second thing is, if you have a field recording, something you've listened to in the world, please send that in. Um, a recording. Open your ears. Yeah, open your ears uh, as you've generously done for us today, um, and send us the sounds from your part of the world, uh, your city or country or wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Washington Square coming up next.
0: (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.